Back to the Styrian Hills we go. This is Purple Sector, helmet on the mic, Rye Guy on the Skype. Howdy, Rye Guy. How we doing? I'm ready for Austria 2.0. Mark Weber getting a lot of run on Purple Sector lately. I was just laughing at him vomiting in his helmet, him his voice cracking, him shrieking. We got some more <laughs> Mark Weber that we're going to revisit here. Yeah, we love we love Mark Weber on the uh on purple sector it's he's a he's a great australian sportsman aussie grit remember y'all hit us up 9048 purple that's 904-878-7753 you can also hit us up at purple sector pod on social media for mailbox box box right guys should we just get into that right out of the gates here a little mailbox box box yeah we should we have a massive mailbox box box to get to box here. box 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 so what do we got so first off, Susan texted us, and she said, you guys are right. We never get anything on Kimmy. Do you guys think this will be his last year in F1, or will he continue to treat it as his, quote, hobby? So what do you think, Moon? Yeah, I don't, I don't see Alpha continuing in the new regs with him. There's a lot of silly season steam around what we kind of said we might expect to happen of Mick Schumacher climbing up into the alpha seat next year or in the very near future. Yeah. I think it's time for him to retire. It's just, we're getting such a backlog of these young drivers that can't get seats. I mean, Renault slash Alpine has already admitted that they have too many drivers in their Academy right now. And And Ferrari has a huge log jam in their driver Academy. They have tons of hot young studs in the lower series. Yeah. I just, I think it's, I think time is up for Kimmy. I mean, he could probably race more, but I I don't necessarily want to see him go into the new ranks. I want to see potentially Mick Schumacher get his seat or something, but I think it's time for Kimmy to close the blinds and go to bed. Yeah, he had a decent Styrian, hashtag Styrian GP. Didn't he finish like 12th or something just outside the points? I mean, I don't know if he... He had terrible qualifying. He's been awful in qualifying, and... He finished, where the hell is it on my chart? He finished 11th. Yeah, not bad. It's it's such a difficult spot for Giovinazzi because Ferrari has gone other directions with their seats, and they've locked up Leclerc forever, basically, and now Carlos Sainz is up. There's no room at the inn for a guy like Giovinazzi, and there's not much he can do to show his race pace and his skills in the alpha you know last year he was great on those opening laps but there's there's a very low ceiling when you're racing at alpha for as many seasons as he has and no room at the end in ferrari so i don't i don't know how much longer he'll be around either 
Yeah, who knows? They could both be gone. That wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it'll happen, but it would not surprise me. But I, I, I just find it hard to believe that Alpha or any other team is going to be like, yeah, we want uh, you know, 44-year-old Kimi Raikkonen to lead us into the new regulations. It seems crazy. Alpha was the only landing spot for him when Ferrari jettisoned him, right? So yes. now I think Alpha is going to have to jettison him. Plus, when you consider that Fred Vessor, who is the team principal, he's been known to be very good at grooming young drivers. It just seems crazy that they're going to keep Kimi around for next season. Yeah, and Giovinazzi hasn't done enough. Ferrari needs someone to just ball out, right? Like Charles Leclerc got... Giovinazzi's not going to Ferrari most likely ever. Right. In my opinion. Charles Leclerc... It's it's not going to happen. Charles Leclerc was an alpha Vassour guy, right? But he was insane, and they had to greenlight him much quicker and get him up into Ferrari and hitch their wagon to him. So my guess is they're going (laughs) to... kind of just start cycling through all these hot young studs in the lower ranks in the Ferrari Academy. And if anyone can dazzle, then potentially signs will be out and they'll bring a hot young stud up if he's unreal like Leclerc was, right? Yeah, well, to answer your question, Susan, it sounds like both of us don't think that Kimmy will be racing next year. This is his, his final swan song. year and... Yeah, we need to start savoring it, and it'll probably be announced in uh, two, three months, is my guess, that he won't be returning. Yeah, savor it and make sure every Formula Brunch you pour a little out for Kimmy and enjoy his final run here. Yep. All right, so moving on. Uh, We got a text message from Jamie. He said, listen to your podcast and comments on the one-stop races sucking. Why don't they just require two pit stops and adjust tire allocation accordingly? This would help with the short tracks like Monaco. Then he has in parentheses, shit. They need five required stops there. Then he goes on to say, yet not have any impact on races that would have two stops anyway. And if this if this seems like artif- artificially engineered, the whole thing is artificially engineered. Why, reco- why require two tire compounds? Require required tire. Stops would, yeah. Why <laughs> require two tire compounds? <laughs> that is difficult. Two required stops would just be a rule like any other and be so easy to implement. So it's pretty complicated. If We're, we're not going to get into this too deep because it's very complicated. Well, I we think, just, just to touch on it quickly, that's what they're trying to do with the are, hashtag exactly. Austrian GP because they're shifting the tire compounds softer. So I think we're going to see two, stop, uh, two stoppers up and down the grid at this race this weekend. Yes, um, and... Just a couple quick notes I wanted to give Jamie. Well, first of all, Jamie, if you really want a, a good answer, I would point you in the direction of uh, the Chain Bear YouTube channel, and he has a video um, titled Why Not Make Two Stops Mandatory? So he can get into way more technical detail, but it's just it's complicated. Pirelli's trying to do that, but they're in a very tough spot because when they make the tires more fragile, they run into problems, you know, like they've had the tire failures at Baku and other tracks in past seasons and they just get raked over the coals when that happens so i mean some weekends they just bring a harder compound out of safety and it leads to one stoppers that's not always the case but also like the street tracks monaco for example that asphalt is very low abrasion so even when pirelli brings their softest tires it's still a one-stop race pirelli would have to make a special tire just for monaco 
to make two stops, you know? Or it's like just, the old days, Ryan, where there were like 10 compounds and you had the, the hyper soft and you could get so soft. It was like putting Play-Doh around the rims. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the real issue is that in this generation of F1, it's all about tire management and track position. And that's why you see less two stop and even three stop races. That's, that's the real reason. Um, I know you're a newer F1 fan, so you, you probably don't know this, but like in the nineties and the early two thousands, they could still refuel the cars in the race. Right. So you could qualify with like barely any fuel in your car and you had to start on that tank of fuel in the race. So the race would start and you could literally go two laps and straight into the pits and need more fuel. So those races were crazy. As far as pit strategy, you had guys doing like four stoppers, five stoppers with crazy fuel strategy, crazy tire strategy, but that's just a bygone era. It's just not like that anymore with these tires. Right. Because you might, you know, they would do the research and the delta for running less laps on tires, but having less fuel might yield a quicker pace, right? Yes. There was all kinds of stuff you could do. You could race like a maniac and, and just keep your car light on fuel and just keep pitting and pitting and barely giving it any fuel, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and the refueling days gave us great mayhem in the pits where you know sometimes oh, yeah. there would be fires and fireballs and guys getting dragged by the fuel hose when the guy pulled out and they couldn't get the fuel hose out of the the plug and it was wild stuff yeah jamie if you want the basically the quintessential video clip for why the refueling era was just dangerous uh, google or go on youtube and find felipe massa singapore um pit lane fuel or something like that and it'll come up he tears the entire fuel mechanism off of the pit wall with his car he's driving down the pit lane with like 30 feet of tube and fire going everywhere it was spectacular yeah that was fun stuff <laughs> it was peak ferrari peak ferrari agreed so the yeah line is that the, the best we're gonna get pirelli is tries to. the best we're gonna get is this weekend yeah pirelli is attempting to soften the compounds that they're bringing to the Styrian Hills for the hashtag Austrian GP. And it's just moving down a rung, right? Last weekend's mediums are now the hard. The softs from last weekend are now the mediums. And the softest compound that they didn't have last weekend is now the soft. So they're hoping the degradation by going softer will make a lot more two-stoppers or make two-stoppers almost mandatory. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully it plays out that way. All right, let's move on. We got another, this is another long text. It's a first-time texter, EB. He starts off his text with a quote and says, if you correct an ignorant being, he will rebuke you. If you correct an enlightened being, he will thank you. So I dig him starting off with a quote. He says, your podcast is interesting. As a decades-long fan of F1, it would be easier for me to listen to the podcast if you pronounce the driver's names correctly. For example, and I'm going to say it like I always say it because we're going to learn how to say it shortly. Botas is like, quote, my uncle bought us some fruit. Uh, and then he also That's a says, nice uncle, huh? It sounds like, yeah, he's, <laughs> he says, it sounds like you guys are saying Botox, like, you know, for the lips <laughs> and the face. Uh, next, he says, Kvyat is like the car, Fiat with a K in front, Kvyat. It's not caveat or caveat, as we say it. Um, and then he says, others, other potential listeners probably agree. The F1 event commentators, who are mostly always 
uh, former drivers take their lead from how the current drivers pronounce their own names. Definitely no offense is intended. So none taken. Uh, yeah, we know that's we also definitely not true because every announcer, especially the Brits, they bastardize a lot of guys' name pronunciations. I mean, that's true. And, and we'll, we have some clips here to get to the bottom of some of the pronunciations. But um, EB, we know we pronounce them incorrectly. Um, you know, cause there's a, there's a big element of accent at play there, you know, like it's the, it's a multinational sport and a lot of the drivers from all over the world, we're not going to nail the accents on the names all the time. So we apologize in advance. The, uh, the good, the good takeaway from this is that if EB's only gripe with the show is our mispronunciation of driver's names, then hopefully that means we're doing, <laughs> doing a bang up job. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that I say caveat wrong it's because i simply don't remember to say it caveat like he does Daniel yeah that's Kaviat. that's a language thing Kaviat. that's a language thing too right like where some letters and other languages are pronounced entirely differently from english and all over the place with different languages so the the big thing exactly. is that exactly. as long as you guys know who we're talking about as we butcher all their names that's <laughs> that's the most important yeah, I mean, I, for for example, Kafiat's a good example because I'm American. I'm not used to seeing, you know, names with three consonants to start the name. You know, that's very not English. Correct. Do you want me to play some of the drive? This is the drivers pronouncing their own names, Ryan. Yeah. So let's start with Botas. This is a this is a case study now. E- EB has opened Pandora's box here. Okay. <laughs> We're going to do a little case study on some of the drivers' names, specifically the ones he brought up. So let's start with Botas. Today, Ryan, it's the Pandora's mailbox box box that we're opening. Yes. <laughs> Here's Botas. Hi, I'm Valtteri Botas. Valtteri Botas. That's, a, <laughs> that's how usually when I say it, I do it with the Finnish uh, accent. And that's, yeah, I could hear a little bit of the bot us, but I think it's still more the Valtteri Botas. Like boat. Yeah, so like to, boat, be fair, right? to, to be fair to EB, he's definitely right about the end of it being basically like us. But it definitely sounds like Valtteri is, uh, he, he rolls the O a little bit. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. It sounds like boat, like we're out on the, the river. Valtteri Bottas. Here we Bottas. go. Let's hear it again. <laughs> Let's hear it again because his accent always makes me chuckle. Hi, I'm Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> don't you love how like he is so emphatic about pronouncing every t in both names yeah, I he, love that. he hits each t he has two t's in the first and last name and he pronounces both individually when he does it i also like that he starts off with a hi i'm Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri <laughs> <laughs> Bottas. <laughs> it's almost like J- <laughs> japanese the way he says it right hi I hope uh, I hope that EB appreciates that we are now only going to pronounce it exactly like that clip. Well, yeah, I've I've tended to whenever I say his name go into the Finnish uh, accent, and it's if you do the Finnish accent, you kind of nail it, you know. Yeah. So let's we, we've we've nailed Bottas. Let's uh <laughs> let's move on to Daniel Kviat. Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Kviat. Daniel Kvyat. It still sounds like a, a V-ish F to me. Yeah, it's it, look, it's hard to say these names correctly all the time. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Daniel Kvyat. 
Fiat. Let's hear it again. He also everyone's so polite in these, Ryan. They they all greet us before they introduce themselves. Here's Danny again. Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Kviat. Also, he pronounces the L. Daniel, yeah. Yeah, Daniel. I always everyone always calls him Danny. Obviously, Danny can be short, but I just thought the L was like kind of dropped. So because everyone says Daniel Danny Kviat. I do hear sometimes on the broadcast where they say more the F Kviat. Right. Yeah. So his is a little bit easier than Botas, in my, but, but, that's in my but I'm not calling him Danny I, anymore because Daniil is so much cooler. And I just thought it was maybe a silent L. So that's a good learning uh, situation for me. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll try and find more of these. We could do a little case study every episode now. Yeah. But, well, we, we uh, have one this weekend clip. because Guan Yo Joe or Guan Yu Joe is participating in FP1. That's true. So I pulled an extra. This is a bonus clip, okay? And this, and Ryan, this I think this might be the most there, – there are more different ways that his name is pronounced, and it's fairly simple and straightforward, it seems. But he gets pronounced so many different ways. Right, right. So don't play the clip yet. The, the biggest takeaway from this is that it sounds like the drivers don't give a fuck if you get it wrong. You want me to play it now? Yeah. Let's see, who is this mystery driver behind the purple door number one? Now, let's clear one thing up. Charles Leclerc, Charles Leclerc. I've had these questions right? so many times. I know. Um, depends. I mean, there's like a polemic around that uh, from the people saying Charles Leclerc or Charles Leclerc. I, I like both, it's fine. Uh, but the, the Monegasque way to say it is Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc. Yeah, exactly. The R, you need to train a little bit still, but uh, yeah. <laughs> the R, you need to train. <laughs> yeah. I, Charles Leclerc. I've always called him Charles Leclerc, but it's more of a le than a le yeah, when he said it. So that's the adjustment that I'll have to make. Charles Leclerc. But, yeah, but I, his gets botched, Ryan, because head. sometimes people pronounce the first name Charles and the second Leclerc. And then people will say Charles Leclerc, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know, but you could tell from that clip that Charles is basically like, I give up. I've given up. Yeah, didn't he also in the past say like, yeah, French people call me Charles Leclerc and English people tend to call me Charles Leclerc. <laughs> so I we basically could, have two names based on what nationality the speaker is. I mean, we could really, if we wanted to, we could, we could, uh, just bastardize the shit out of it with an American version where it's like Chucky Leclerc or Charlie Leclerc. Yeah, we've called him Chucky Leclerc before, I think. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's fun getting in the names. Love it. Yeah, everyone's learning today. Yeah, so anyways, yeah, EB, we appreciate you uh, bringing our butchering of Bottas to our attention. We are working on it, Bottas. Well, and, uh, I'd like to give EB a little homework. It doesn't even have to just be in Formula One, but if he can find any other crazy names, uh, it'd be fun to uh, learn how to pronounce some other names of guys in either other series or making their way up the ladder into Formula One. Yeah, that's true. This is a fun exercise. I'm, I'm always down to do it. NASCAR has to be the easiest for names, right? Every guy is just like Dick Trickle. You know, <laughs> they all they all sound dirty and they're easy to pronounce, you know. 
Well, I mean, some some of the guys have very international names, but they're all pronounced like phonetically, like Americans would. Oh, right? they like Americanized Martin, the fuck out of other foreign yeah. foreign names. Right, like Martin Martin Truex Jr. <laughs> yeah, Truex. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, dude. Yeah, I mean, Americans are good at doing that. They just they just butcher anything that is not within their continent. Yeah, when you race NASCAR, you talk American. Yeah, exactly. Rick, <laughs> Ricky Bobby. Yeah, what uh you have any other mail box box box? Yeah, let's mow these down here. So I uh Sarah SA Bear 3 on Instagram, she said, "I was laughing at your Mark Webber voice crack and the man has a weird ass voice spectrum. Did you guys see or hear his scream when Hamilton hit the magic button in Baku?" So, I don't think we ever played this on the podcast, but we should do it now cuz uh Sarah reminded us of a hilarious audio clip that came from Baku. Let's let's get into it, man. We're underway. Lights out. And Perez immediately jumps across. Lewis Hamilton's going to get the lead. Lewis Hamilton takes it away, but he lands oh! off and he's lost it. <laughs> <laughs> That's she's right. unbelievable. She's right. He has... Yeah, Sarah is absolutely right. He has the craziest voice spectrum. In one instant, he's voice cracking like his balls just dropped as a teenager which that was last week. And then he sounds like an opera singer in that clip. Yeah. I was going to say he could, he could sing opera here. Let's revisit then the voice cracks. You can hear both ends of the spectrum. Here was Weber's voice cracking during the interviews after the hashtag Styrian GP. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Sergio got your attention in the last few laps. I mean, the Red Bull tried a different strategy to put some heat on you at the end, but you felt you had him covered. Red Bull tried. <laughs> <laughs> That scream is unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's so he must have deafened the guys in the booth with him. Yeah, that's classic. What was his All body right, language when he let out that shriek, dude? Did he like pop out of his chair or Yeah, yeah, he popped out of his chair, he put his arms up and just screamed at the top of his lungs. <laughs> that's so funny. Is he All right. Let let's just touch on this quickly. I'm just curious if you've heard or seen anything cuz when he was racing alongside Seb Vettel, when Seb was racking up all the hardware, I know there was a little tension between them. They're friends, more friendly now because Seb's kind of a jovial guy and he's matured. But does Weber have any ill will or beef with Red Bull as a whole, or is he a big Red no, Bull no, supporter? No, 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 no. He's still part of the family, dude. Okay, so he's he's jumping up and arms up because he's celebrating that Red Bull is now going to win this race. Yeah. I mean, well, he wasn't. So he was unbiased in the clip, in my opinion. He wasn't celebrating. He just couldn't believe it. Was he broadcasting when he let out that shriek that went over the airwave somewhere? Yes, I believe it was. It was either on like Channel Four in the UK or or on F1 TV Pro's pit lane channel. I, I don't remember, but yes, it got broadcast. That's hilarious. All right, so, so right guy, we're going to recap some it. Formula Brunch now from last weekend and some old ones. I got one more. I got one more shout out. It's for Ken. He's our he's our resident uh, Super Max fan. So after the race, he sent us a pic of both him and his son Adam rocking their purple sector shirts yeah. after Max's win. Yeah, that was a great addition. Now it's a family affair. We uh, we had only gotten Ken in the past, but now he's we're getting the double shirts to celebrate Max Max Super Max. So Ken, I. I just have to ask a quick question for Ken. So is, is Adam also a Max fan or are you, are you just being a bad dad and forcing him to wear the shirt and root for Max? Yeah, it could be one of those 
if you when you're in this house you root for max you know one of those situations <laughs> like you can't be a yankees fan in this house yeah adam is secretly a lewis fan and he's just forcing a smile in that photo <laughs> yeah ken would be more upset if he found a mercedes gear in his son's room instead of like pornos or something porno mags you know yeah, exactly. I, I like that you're making this awkward now for, for Adam and, and Ken. <laughs> so <laughs> you want to pivot to the Formula Brunch recaps? Yeah, so we're going to run down our Formula Brunch shout-outs here. Frankie always comes through, and I, I, I respect his hustle. He I, keeps it he's consistent, liquid. yeah, with his, his brunch style, very distinct brunch style, Formula Brunch style for him. Yeah, so this time around, and correct me if I'm wrong, Frankie, but in the picture, it looks like another espresso, just like you did for Italy, but this time you had a nice can of Stiegel beer Stiegel. Uh, alongside it. So let us know if that wasn't an espresso, because we're big caffeine guys. you got to let us know what it was. Oh, yeah, everyone but loves again, Java. Love the beans. Yeah, great, great work. Just just an efficient formula brunch. Just yeah. liquid diet. Because his, his for the race in Italy earlier was espresso and a Peroni. And then now he's doing the coffee, an espresso, and uh, the Stiegel. So he likes, he has a very simple liquid, all liquid formula brunch. He just needs to get the cigarette and then it's completely Europeanized. Yes, exactly. What I want to know is if, if Frank is, you know, it's, is he hitting the espresso right at the start and then like hitting the beer slowly towards the end of the race or what, what, or what, how, what's his style? How's he do it? Yeah, that's a good question. And I hope he doesn't have sensitive teeth. Cause if you're pivoting between that hot Java and then that cold brew, that could, that could shock the teeth. No, Frankie's fine. He's got beautiful pearly whites. He's good. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, he gets to run it back. Now he needs to get an Eggenberg with his, uh, his coffee. By the way, I just realized Eggenberg you don't even have to cook eggs for the uh, the <laughs> Formula Brunch in Austria. You you drink your eggs. You drink your Eggenbergs. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna have a so six. I'm gonna have a six Eggenberg omelet this weekend for the race. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delicious. All right, so this is a this is actually a belated shout out. So Sushan won on Twitter. He for the French Grand Prix. He sent us just a fantastic formula brunch entry that we forgot to mention yeah the triple so he b hit, yes he hit, he hit the holy trinity of bees for the french grand prix he had a bottle of bordeaux a baguette and some brie, brie. i mean again again it can't get more french than that unless he has a cigarette yeah guy fieri has diners drive-ins and dives triple d and sushan has triple b the bordeaux baguette and le brie yeah, exactly. So very strong. Another very efficient French formula brunch. You got to love it. Yeah. And to uh, pat my own back here, I, guy, I went out and snagged some Bratwurst when I went to get my Eggenberg and got some lovely plump beefsteak tomatoes. And I already had bacon and eggs. And I made that Tiroler omelette with the uh, bratwurst bacon, that, that meat lover's Austrian omelet for my Formula Brunch last weekend. It's on our Instagram highlights for Formula Brunch. If you guys are ever interested in going down memory lane on the Formula Brunches, you can always click that highlight at Purple Sector Pod on Instagram. And if you guys tag yeah, us in uh, stories, then we can we can throw them up there more easily, right? Yeah, we'll put the ones from this past week on the uh, on the story highlight so everyone can check them out. Love it. 
So, right, guys, yeah, that so do it for the mail box, box, box. Yes, that'll that'll do it for the mail box, box, box. I told you it was a large one. We were just overstuffed with mail, but we got to all of it. Oh yeah, I love the mail box, 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 box. So, right, guy, what do we want to do now? Touch on a little news and then pivot in, or just go straight into a the race Grand Preview, the Austrian Grand Preview. Let's hit the news, man. Stay me. I got some good juicy headlines. All right. Christian Horner says Ferrari was most willing to discuss Red Bull F1 engine deal. So this goes back a ways a little bit. Um, and it's in regards to when Red Bull was shitting their pants because they didn't have a solution for what engine they were going to run with, from 2022 to 2025. Um, so surprisingly, Ferrari was the most open to discussions with them. Now, we know that Red Bull wasn't hot on being a customer to any of the of the big teams. Um, and that's why the, the situation with Honda is actually seems to be playing out well for them. But I got a kick out of this, okay? And, you know, everyone should have seen this coming because Mercedes was never going to give engines to Red Bull. But and they had that bad <laughs> blood with Renault. I mean, that's we talked about that, right? The only real option potentially if they became a customer would have been Ferrari because a lot of bad blood with Renault from back when Cyril Abitable was there. And you know Mercedes isn't going to hook him up. Right. So I got a kick out of this in the article. Christian Horner said, the conversation with Toto was extremely short. So Toto knows that he has all the leverage in that situation. I, I, I'm surprised that they even went to Mercedes to ask. But I guess they just had to just to check that box, you know? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm shocked that he even asked. Like, like you said, it must have been a we might as well ask everybody because – those are those were really their only options aside from Honda sticking around or giving them the IP, right? Yeah. I mean, this is how I picture it, how it went down, okay? Christian Horner's knocking on Toto's door to his office. Toto slowly opens it. He doesn't say anything. He just stares at Christian, and he goes, get on all fours. Now crawl around my desk and beg for a Mercedes engine. Bark like a dog for me. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it had to have been humiliating to even approach Mercedes. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I doubt that Christian was begging any of them. He probably, like you said, was just almost being polite where you ask already knowing the answer, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, so move. Sting me. This is one of my favorite headlines in a long time. BWT wants Aston Martin to revert from green to pink. So as everyone knows, BWT is one of the big sponsors for that team. They're also a big F1 sponsor now, I guess, right? Because at the steering Grand Prix, all the backdrops now are pink. Like the whole podium, I think, had the pink BWT background. The the big signs that they pull up to for first, second, third were pink for BWT, right? Yeah. um, They were the title sponsor for this past race. So, yeah. Oh, so so they were the race sponsor. Gotcha. Yeah, so BWT, they're, they're, they're the reason why the racing points were pink um, for a couple of years before this season. Um, so CEO Andreas Weisenbacher, he says, quote, The Aston Martin doesn't stand out on TV. A pink car simply stands out more and has a much greater advertising effect. So here's what's crazy. Of course the CEO is going to be like, uh, if you run my colors as your livery, it'll pop. <laughs> yeah, but here's what's crazy, dude. I agree with him. I totally agree with him. It's yeah. very hard to tell. When I'm watching the races, I've noticed this all season. 
when they, in the in the beginning of the race, the first three laps when all the cars are bunched up, when they're coming at the camera, I think the Aston Martins are Mercedes every time. Yeah, we were every fairly time. we were fairly critical of the Aston Martins when we, you know, dug into all the liveries before the season because it's not quite that bright British racing green. It's like a little bit different of a hue, right? And I'm with yeah. you. It definitely <laughs> I definitely don't really notice them or mistake them for Mercedes often. Yeah, I I agree with him, but here's the thing. His logic is just funny to me, right? So he's basically saying, yeah, pink cars pop more. But you could say that about so many different colors. Yeah, I mean, if you could, if you did you like say, neon yeah, how about, green how about cars. Yellow? Yeah. How about bumblebee yellow? How about shit brown? How about orange shit brown? You know, what can Brown like, do for you? Exactly. Like he's not, he's not making a profound proclamation here by saying, Hey, pink cars will stand out more. Yeah. Well, the W series, all those deliveries stand out because they went with a ton of neon colors. Right. I'm just saying he's right about the first sentence. The Aston Martin does not stand out on TV. It's, it's very hard to distinguish it at times. Not at times, like all the time. It looks like a Mercedes from the front. Yeah, well, if you need to see any pink cars, BWT is a big sponsor in all types of motorsport. They have a ton of motorcycles that they sponsor that are pinked out. They have a ton of cars and other series that they sponsor that are pinked out. So they're all over the place. And I'm, I agree, right? Like whenever I see a picture, that pink one always stands out. It's a very shocking color in motorsport. So... Let me ask you this. Do you think they're going to cave? Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying that Aston Martin is going to go full pink, but do you think they're going to cave to his wishes? Only and if only if Larry Stroll buys BWT, right? Like he no, 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 Hang on, let me finish. Yeah. Let me finish. Do you do you think that they'll add more pink accents and make it look like give it some pink trims so it pops more? Maybe they'll add a little more, but I I don't think so until Larry buys BWT. Because right now, what do they have? It's like on the front edge of the wing, I think, is pink. And down the side, there's a little pink on the ridge, right? There's very little. There's a bunch on Vettel's helmet, obviously. But, I mean, he's only I only see this going down if he brings more money to Larry. Exactly. There's a reason there's <laughs> so little pink, right? Because Larry Larry's owns Aston. <laughs> Larry's like, Andreas, I'm trying to sell fucking Aston Martins here. Yeah, I'm not trying to sell water, bro. I can get that out of the spigot. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine the, the, this type of conversation going on between two billionaires? Larry, we need more pink. <laughs> yeah, arguing over pink cars. <laughs> they want God, Barbie's pink Corvette. What a fascinating team, dude. Agreed. Okay, let's move, let's move on. That's all the news I have, unless you have anything you want to touch on. Now let's head over to the Styrian Hills. So I just want to uh, do a quick recap for everyone of how the W Series uh, season debut went last weekend. So that's the female race series. Um, it was almost a uh, full lockout by the Brits. So Alice Powell got first place. Sarah Moore got second place. They're both representing Great Britain. And then Fabienne Volvind from, from uh, Switzerland got third. Um, so it's interesting to see. And Jamie Chadwick, the, the defending base, champ, was sixth, right? Yes, yes. So i got to figure out how, how I can watch these races because I don't think – they're not on F1 TV Pro, which is disappointing. Um, you know, so they a, already a, raced on Thursday? How many races do they do in the weekend? Two? 
No, no, no. They raced last race weekend. Oh, this is from last weekend. Got you. So are they racing again this weekend? Yes, they're a support series. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't know if they would keep, I assume they would keep the same support series for both races. Yes. So I just wanted to, we're going to follow that all season because it should be a fascinating uh, a championship. Yeah, and hopefully we get to, to watch it. it in Coda in Austin. Oh, we will. We will definitely be watching it there. Love it. W right, so Series. I'm, throw up the W, right? It's not for West yeah. Side anymore. It's for W Series. Yeah, exactly. It's for women. <laughs> All right. So I have another. Just a, This is just a general note, okay? So we heard Toto saying plenty last week that they wouldn't be upgrading the car at all this season. And, of course, his chief technical director, James Allison, immediately contradicts that a few days later and says, no, we have some parts planned and some other stuff. So – yeah, we, we called never... that bullshit out right away. Like, there's no way Toto is, because he was saying, yeah, once you shift over, you can't shift any resources back. But, yeah, the, I mean, he wants to get the clean sweep of the turbo hybrid era. Yeah, he's uh, he just lies all the time, Toto. Just, he's just a professional liar. Yeah, very good at it and very good at managing a Formula One team. Yeah, so I bring this up, though, because after the last race, I could tell from, you know, Hamilton's body language that he was actually like you could tell he was pissed about the performance of the Merc compared to the Red Bull or at least Max in the Red Bull. So I was just thinking Hamilton took a 10 million dollar pay cut this season. If I were him, I would go be storming into Toto's office after that race and say, hey, uh, let me remind you that I took a 10 million dollar pay cut. Can I get some fucking parts and some upgrades? You cheap fuck. Yeah, I I picture him barging into the office going, I want to see receipts. I gave you $10 million to use elsewhere. Where are the receipts for my components and my upgrades? Yeah, he's like, Toto, I heard you bought a new ski house, motherfucker. Where's my $10 million? Yeah, is it, it's going to your chalet in the Alps, pal? Come on. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, if I'm Lewis, I just, I keep bringing that up. I'm like, hey, man, pay cut. Yeah. I need some upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> right guy well while we're talking about upgrades and components let's get into real quick here i have some articles relating to the mercedes and red bull upgrades and and the bodywork and things like that so the first piece red bull right guy this is also some fun new terms we'll get to throw around so they have they debuted on max's car in the steering grand prix the shark tooth diffuser so they had run this at a practice session earlier in the year, but this was the first debut of it in a race, only on Max's car, which, by the way, might explain why Sergio was lagging behind Max's pace so much in qualifying at the race last weekend. Maybe. Right? Could Maybe be. a little bit. Well, he, he kept having to go out on soft tires while Max was able to beat, the, beat his brakes off um, in medium tires. So the Shark Tooth Diffuser... Yeah, I still, I still think... I still think he qualifies where he qualified, though, with the upgrade. Yeah, I'm just speaking I, I of the pace gap more than just his location. Yeah. Yes, yes. And having to be on soft compared to medium, you know, and still not being able to keep pace. But the headline around the Shark Tooth Diffuser helping Red Bull inch ahead and why they're finding more gains than Mercedes. So, Ryan, as we mentioned, Red Bull now on a four-race winning streak. Um, so let's get into this Shark Tooth Diffuser. Love it. So, as we mentioned, at the Red Bull Ring, Max Verstappen had a further developed version of the Shark Tooth Diffuser first seen during practice in Monaco. Um, and then this weekend, 
Perez now is expected to get his own new spec version of the shark tooth diffuser. So we'll have to see, Ryan. It was here's what the Silver Arrows Mercedes were reporting that the difference was with that diffuser. Silver Arrows lost a reported quarter of a second down the straights of the Red Bull ring. So I think that's a combination of the shark tooth taking a bite out of that pace and Mercedes also running a higher drag rear wing. So here's the funny Mercedes bit. So Christian Horner came up with a great nickname for their massive rear wing. He says, Mercedes have got a barn door on the back of their car for this race in Austria, and we had a pretty skinny rear wing. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. really funny. Nobody knows barn doors like Christian Horner. He lives on a farm. Exactly. So <laughs> the big difference here, just to sort of simplify it, um, Red Bull is able to run a much lower drag rear wing, and because of the fact they are able to run less wing, it's because more downforce is produced by their floor in that shark tooth diffuser than Mercedes is able to. So Mercedes is talking about how you know they run all the simulations to determine which rear wing and front wing setups they need to run, but because of that low rake that they have, they have to run a barn door on the back of their car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there's a common thread here in regards to the differences in performance between both those teams, it's it's that it's the it's the Mercedes rake. Yeah, it's just so the 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 it's, it seems impossible, not impossible, but their biggest challenge is coming up with remedies for their low rake concept versus uh, Red Bull's high rake. Yeah, talk about uh, farming language here, where we got barn doors and rakes and shark teeth. Yeah. We're just we're on the farm this episode. <laughs> so, Ragai, we're we asked people in the Styrian Grand recap to do their rain dance, get out their rain sticks. What's the weather looking like this weekend? Could we get some wet action in Austria? So, when I last checked, which was several hours ago, okay, the this was your forecast for Quali on Saturday. There was a sixty percent chance of rain. It's very juicy. And air temp of 22 Celsius, 72 Fahrenheit, right? Come Sunday, for race time, we have a 75% chance of rain, 19 degrees Celsius, and a cool 66 degrees Fahrenheit. So if that plays out, which it won't, because whenever we talk about this shit, it never rains. But if it does, I can't think of a scarier track to race on in the wet than this one. The corners are fast. You've got gravel waiting for you right outside of the curb at certain turns. I mean, the turn, I believe it's turn six, right? The turn where Hamilton dipped his tire into the gravel at one point in the race the last weekend, if we get a wet race, that corner is going to be eating people alive. Yeah, I would love to get a wet race just so we have more diversity between the two. Um, we're hoping, obviously, that the softer tires will force multiple pit stops for everybody, but rain would only make things that much more exciting yeah so a quick shout out to jamie again who, who texted us about the the tires and two stops and stuff so last year when we had this double header in austria the tire compounds were exactly the same for both races so we're going to get a new wrinkle this year because they went softer for this race so hopefully you know we get some chaos if it rains it's not going to matter because they're going to be on wet tires but if it's a dry race or a wet slash dry race it might come into play big time. Ryan, we, I think we need to get a rain stick sound effect drop 
to to play whenever we're trying to summon the rain for a race weekend. Well, we just need like stormy weather sound effects that we yeah. can we can play to wish wish the rain. Yeah, we can do like uh, like they used to do the foley sound artists when they would record the thunder and lightning, right? When they just like bang a big drum and shake sheet metal. <laughs> yeah, crumble up some uh, some aluminum foil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right, guy. Let me so do a really... let me do a quick Helmut on helmets here. I'm gonna do the intro. Helmut on helmets. So I didn't touch on it, but Max actually ran a special helmet at the Styrian Grand Prix. It was just a yellowed out version of his orange lion helmet. I wonder if he'll. We'll have to keep our eyes peeled, Ryan, if he runs that same altered helmet since he's running back-to-back home races for Red Bull at the Red Bull ring. But the notable one that we've already seen for this weekend, Guan Yu Zhou, who's taking part in FP1, he's got a purple helmet, Raga. We love any kind of purple helmet. The only problem is it pales in comparison to the quality of Lewis Hamilton's purple sector helmet. It does. It's like like a cheap attempt at recreating it. It's not a bad helmet, but there are few helmets that are better than Lewis Hamilton's. And again, we are biased because it is purple. Yeah, but uh, hey, all four more purple helmets on the grid, you know, whether or not they're as fantastic as Lewis's is. Yeah, exactly. So, Moot, do you have any bold predictions for the race or, or do you have more helmet on helmets? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, as we've touched on all the reasons we mentioned before, that we get a vastly different race this weekend it's no fun to just have carbon copies when you do these back-to-backs at the same track um so i'm hoping for a much more different race and i'd like a non-ham botver podium for this one um i'm hoping that we get some new blood up there hopefully on the top step right would love to see one of the younger hot young studs win it or something like that if i had to make a bold prediction i think it's bold because the guy keeps knocking on the door and doesn't get it done I think George Russell will finally score points. He was he was set to running eighth in the steering Grand Prix before he had to DNF. But I want to say boldly that George Russell finally scores points for Williams. So I'm I'm going boom or bust on rain. If there if there's rain, we're gonna get an insane race because for one, that brings the Ferraris heavily into the conversation for podium talk because of their chassis. I mean, they'll just be on fire in the rain. Uh, secondly, um, I'm wondering if that would also help the McLarens because Lando's Lando has podium potential, but it's just it's just tough for Lando to hang with the other guys on race pace in the dry. I think if it rains, we could see some fireworks from him. Yeah, I, I we both keep saying it too, but I'd love to see Danny Ricardo finally keep pace with Lando because we saw that where in France where they're basically running together and just picking people off left and right we need to get Danny Rick back up in the mix McLaren was on steroids in France that was so much fun to watch um I'd like to see something like that this weekend if it rains and I mean don't forget remember what Lando did in Imola when it rained it was very impressive yeah would love to see some rain and Rye Guy, we don't really need to get that deep into Formula Brunch. We recap some stuff from previous races, and you guys already know what to do for this weekend. We'd love to see you guys run it back. I want to see someone, Ryan, 
try their hand at those fried apple rings for the hashtag Austrian GP hashtag formula brunch. Maybe somebody will. I'm, I'm curious to see if, uh, if Frankie will swap out the Stiegel for some Eggenberg. Yeah, that's what I'll be having. My six Eggenberg omelet uh, for, for race day Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, I nice. think that does oh, yeah, it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we're excited to get back to the Red Bull ring here to uh, cap off this triple header. Thanks to y'all for joining us for our Austrian Grand Preview. Remember to hit us up, 904-8PURPLE. That's 904-878-7753. Also follow at Purple Sector Pod on social media. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods. Rate and review, five stars, written review. Always enjoy those and keep spreading the word. Right, guy, we're sticking in Austria. Time for the second leg. Yeah, Alfita's in. Alfita's in and enjoy it and see you all on the track.